Ain't No Fang podcast. From Arizona Sports, Ain't No Fang. Usually if a fourth place team trades their best player, that's not a good sign, right? Well, this time it could be a little bit different for the Diamondbacks. I'm Steve Zinsmeister with Cody Fincher as well, and it is the Ain't No Fang podcast. Kind of as I mentioned already, the Diamondbacks traded Dalton Varsho to the Toronto Blue Jays. This deal will return them Lourdes Gurriel, who is a bit of a utility man, mostly corner outfielder, right-handed hitter, not a lot of power, but he gets on base. And really the prized possession of this trade is Gabriel Moreno, who's more of a prospect, but had about 25 games in the major leagues last year and is projected to be a star catcher. What do we think initially, initial reaction, Bear, to Dalton Varsho getting traded? Well, you you know what I've been saying recently in our recent episodes. If they could avoid trading Dalton Varsho, I'd be okay with it. We talked about this Uh, less than a week ago. Yeah, literally last... uh, Okay, just behind the scenes, we record our episode, our last episode on Thursday. I think it was Thursday. Thursday. Friday afternoon, the D backs trade Dalton Varsho to Toronto. And, and to be clear, we straight up wrote an article at ArizonaSports.com oh about yes. how the Diamondbacks look, hadn't done anything. We look stupid. <laughs> we look so dumb. This that is, became the most, the fastest dated podcast and article that we've ever done. We also, we did that at the very beginning of the season. Remember, we wrote the article about Seth Beer hitting oh the my home gosh, run yeah. and how he deserved to play every yeah. day. And then he yeah, did hey, nothing. The hey, rest if of the you're year. still listening to us, thank you very much. Yeah. I know. Um, but not a good, not a great track record. I was I was okay with with um someone like maybe Alec Thomas being traded or Jake McCarthy getting traded because I just I love Dalton Varsho. I love the way he plays the game. Yeah, his numbers aren't like all-star level. He has he hit 231 this year, but he hit 30 home runs and he plays really good defense 27 in the outfield. Home runs, 27, yeah, 27. Roughly 30. Roughly 30 home runs. Yeah. Um he's got good power. He plays a really good outfield. I mean, he can catch, but he got they, nominated they were, for two gold gloves. Yeah, they were transitioning him away from catcher anyway. But yeah, yeah he, he was a finalist for the gold glove in right field. And if a certain guy named Mookie Betts didn't play right field, he probably would have won. And there, he also got uh, was a finalist for what was it called? The Utility Player Gold Glove. Right. Um, I can't remember who won that. It was one of the Cardinals players. Brendan Donovan Tommy or something Edmund? like that. Tommy, it was a Cardinal. It was a St. Louis one Cardinal. Them, yeah. Um. So anyway, but... And then he just plays the game so hard, like all out. He's sprinting all the time, no matter what the play is. He's like AJ Pollock. I, I read a, a tweet and it was I, I I agree with it very much. It's very accurate. Dalton Varsho plays baseball like he's playing football. Just all <laughs> yeah. out, just a hundred percent. I'm gonna you know, melt your face or what you know, I don't know. But I'll bet he'd be a good running back. He's, he's kind of short, yeah. kind of bigger, yeah, fast. Yeah. Runs into things. <laughs> runs into things. Runs into a lot wall. Of pop. Yeah. So, but on the other side, I, I so I, yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. As soon as the next MLB the show comes out, I'm probably gonna trade for Dalton Varsho back, um, <laughs> because I just like him. I like I like yeah. him. So well, and it, it, he hasn't been here all that long, right? He came up in the 2020 weird COVID season, if I remember right, and then he's played pretty much ever since. So let's call it two and a half seasons, yeah. two full seasons, and. Here's part of the reason that I think it's it's a pretty good deal. Because remember, the Diamondbacks are getting probably the most prized player of the deal, which is Gabriel Moreno, but he he's not proven. He he's not no. even as established as Varsho is. But here's the way I'm tr- I'm choosing to look at this trade. And you tell me if I'm crazy. 
Dalton Varsho was never really a premier prospect, correct? Yeah, that's fair. He was a somewhat high within their own system, but right. at a time when, what, Anthony Bonda was their best prospect for a while? At a time where Geraldo Perdomo was one of their best prospects for a while? Christian Robinson was one he, of their best? He was never as highly regarded as someone like Alec Thomas or Corbin Carroll. Well, and certainly at the catcher position, sure. as thin as it is around baseball, he was never in the Gabriel Moreno, Francisco Alvarez, mm-hmm. uh, or even the like Francisco Mejia, Joey Bart level yeah. like he was never in that class of catchers so much so that the Diamondbacks chose to move him off of that position and play him in the outfield something he hadn't done much of and here's the way I'm choosing to look at this trade they took that prospect not a big name at any position not particularly amazing at any one thing and they converted him to an outfielder a catcher converted to outfield mm-hmm. he got nominated for two gold gloves in the same year yep and they traded him for one of the top prospects in baseball, a top five prospect in baseball, probably the top catcher not named Alvarez. Yeah. And they get Lourdes Gurriel, who hits 280 for his career. That's a pretty good deal. Yep. I mean, you converted a no-name catcher, not no-name, a pretty low-level prospect catcher, and in two years, you converted him to a quality outfielder that you flipped for some of the best in the game. I think that's that's something to be proud of. And. I think the D-backs will be fine in the outfield. They still have they still have Corbin Carroll, who is just arriving on the scene, and he played pretty well uh, after being called up. They still have Alec Thomas, who plays a premier center field. He he's really good defensively out there, and they better hope now that he finds his offense because now you've traded Dalton Varsho, who is a good offensive player, and then you have Jake McCarthy, who can fill one of the corner outfield spots. Um, but let's start here. They really needed an upgrade at catcher. They really did. Yeah. Carson Kelly was really bad last year. And the whole intrigue of Carson Kelly when they traded for him for Paul Goldschmidt was he's played behind Yadier Molina. So he's been learning from one of the best, you know, defensive catchers, one of the most consistent catchers, a future Hall of Famer in Yadier Molina. Carson Kelly, just my opinion, he's he's okay. He's an okay catcher. He is more of an offensive catcher than a defensive catcher, and his offense has struggled really badly in the last year or so. And his defense isn't anything to write home about, in my opinion. So I like this move just from the aspect that they got Gabriel Moreno, um, who, from what I've read, is still working on his defense, but that's something that you can improve. But right away, he is... A really good offensive player already. Um, in 25 games last year, he made his major league debut for the Blue Jays. He hit 319 uh, with a 356 on base percentage, 377 slugging, one double, one homer, seven RBIs, four walks. Here's another thing that's interesting about Moreno, too. He played 19 games, 17 starts at catcher, one game in left field, one game at second base. One game at third base, and then he DH two games. So this guy has played a lot of positions. Who does that sound like? Dalton Varsho. But different type of catcher. Here's the thing, though. Here, they don't need him to go play corner outfield. We need a catcher. They need a catcher, and that's his primary position anyway. So I'm not worried about that. But I don't want. I really don't want to see him. I don't want to see him. 
out in left field or at second base anyway. But well, they've got so much versatility at every position. I mean, like every player on this roster, you can tell the way that they built it was that everybody plays multiple spots. I mean, we've even seen Christian Walker play left field in the past. We've seen all of the outfielders have played multiple positions, if not all three. Kyle Lewis gets acquired. He can play multiple positions in the outfield. Lourdes Gurriel, while he hasn't done much of it lately, he has experience in the infield. Josh Rojas has played literally everywhere. Um, The only player I can think of really is Nick Ahmed that only plays shortstop, and he's certainly capable of playing other places in the infield. So the versatility is so strong within this team that I don't think they need Moreno to play anywhere else. Yeah, so I I like the return they got. And a nice little throw in, too, is an up-and-coming team. Lourdes Gurriel Jr., man. 29 years old. He's um, Yeah, he's been pretty dang good for Toronto. I think this is like his sixth year he's going into. I think it's his sixth or seventh yeah, season. Yeah, something like that. Because he signed a a contract. He signed like a seven-year deal in like 2017 or something like that. 2023 is going to be the last year of control okay. over him. Yeah. He's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. Now, here's what's interesting about Gurriel. Because over the course of his career, he hits for higher average. He's like a 280 to 290 hitter probably yep. in his career. Hit 291 last year. Really good. On base, I think it was like 356 or something like I'll, that. I have it right, right, right in front of me. 343 on base percentage, 400 slugging. 32 doubles, one triple, five homers, 52 RBIs, 31 walks. Here's what's interesting. Not a lot of pop. He did have a 20 home run season, maybe multiple. But last year, he only hit five home runs. Mm -hmm. So this is a guy, let's say he's your DH a lot of the time and maybe a left fielder occasionally, uh, maybe rarely gets a spot start in the infield. That's a guy who's getting on base a lot more. If you want to look at the Varsho trade another way, you just traded a guy who hit, what did you say? Two, 235. 235 for Varsho? Yep, 235. You you traded a guy who hit 235 on base, what, 308 roughly? is somewhere in that range. So he's getting on base 30% of the time. And you got a guy who gets on base 35% of the time. That's a pretty good swap on its own, plus Moreno, who also gets on base like three, 35% of the time probably. Yeah. So you got two really good offensive players, one in the short term, one in the long, long term. And you flipped him for a guy in Dalton Varsho, who you had a couple of years control over, no doubt. But I also think another part of this equation is they don't lose a lot by losing Varsho. And here's what I mean by that. You talked about defensively, the outfield is still basically just as good as it was. Yeah. I know he was nominated for two gold gloves. That That's great. And Lourdes Gurriel Jr. isn't a slouch out in the outfield either. Fair he's enough. been pretty good in left field, so he's going to play, I would guess, against lefties primarily, but we'll see. And let's say that Corbin Carroll, Jake McCarthy, and Alec Thomas are your typically your starting three in the outfield. That's a solid outfield. Yeah, it is. In terms of fielding. It is. And there's a lot of speed there. Mm-hmm. A lot of speed there. I don't think you lose much defensively. Now, you lose the 27 home runs that you alluded to earlier. But Christian Walker is a similar type hitter to Varsho. 30, roughly 30 home runs a year. He's going to hit two closer to 200 than 300. 220, 230, 240, somewhere in that range. And get on base 30% of the time. They traded one of those. That's essentially Joey Gallo. Huh. That's what Joey Gallo is typically, in like in a good Joey Worse Gallo. Worse average, year. but yeah. Varsho is a slightly better version of Joey Gallo, and you traded that for the top catching prospect in baseball and a guy who gets on base. And on. ideally, too, we're going to have a full season of Corbin Carroll, a full season, hopefully, of Alec Thomas, and a full season of Jake McCarthy. And hopefully, if you're talking about replacing home runs, hopefully those guys will be able to, you know, not saying each one of them has to hit 
20 plus home runs, but hopefully you make up some of the difference there with those guys playing a full year, you know, and plus adding Guriel, adding Kyle Lewis. Hopefully he has a bounce back season as well. Um, Hopefully those guys collectively can, you know, at least cut that deficit of 27 home runs you're losing. Um, I feel like we're talking money ball. Like we need to replace 57 home runs and 15. Yeah. We just can't do it. But, uh, but anyway, I think that, those guys playing hopefully a full healthy 2023 season will help replace the offense that you lost with Varsho being gone. And the nice thing about Guriel as well is he can play, he can spell Christian Walker at first base. He's played first base before. I think he's even played some third base in his career. I could be mistaken about that, but he obviously he plays a good left field. Um, he can, you know, he can back up guys at other positions. Uh, here's here's a stat among, for his fielding in left field. Among left fielders in 2022, his three defensive runs saved were third to your boy Stephen Kwan, 21, <laughs> and Kwan. Ian Happ, 13. That's in all of baseball. Wow. So, I mean, yeah, he it's only three defensive runs saved, but it's the third best uh, defensive run saved in left field in all of baseball last year. So I'm okay with that. Um, I'm really excited about Moreno. Uh, hopefully he turns out to be what the Diamondbacks think he is. Um, but again, he only played in 25 games last Small year. sample size. Did you see the video of him, by the way, that was going around after he got traded in the minor leagues? He hit a ball so hard in the minor leagues that it it stuck into the wall. Yeah. Yes, please. More of that. That ain't no styrofoam wall. More of that, please. <laughs> Hopefully they go over the wall a little bit more. I don't know that but I've ever seen that before. I know. You see it get like wedged in between pads. Like, or... But at the bottom. At yeah. the bottom usually is when that happens. This was the middle of the freaking wall. He hit a yeah. ball at over 110 miles per hour, and it just stuck in the wall, and the left fielder's like, what do I do? I throw my hands <laughs> Threw up. Throw his hands up so fast. I don't know what to do. The ball's <laughs> stuck in the wall. Do I take it out? <laughs> yeah, he was trying to. Is deal it still with in a, play? He like, was trying to deal with a patient that just got stabbed. He's like, "Do I pull it out or yeah. do I leave it in? What do I do? I don't really know what to do right now." But yeah, in Moreno in, in sixty-two games, Triple A last year, hit three fifteen, three eighty-six on base, four twenty slugs, sixteen doubles. Again, small in the homer in the homers, only three homers. That's fine. Wait, just and hit, how many games? Sixty-two. 62, 62 games, games in triple A. And how many homers? Three. That's not much. In 238 at bats, he hit three homers. You know what runs. I noticed while watching? Uh, so they call it tape in the business. Um, I, I literally just Googled. Film. I literally just Googled Gabriel Moreno highlights. And I need to do that. Most of what came up, you know, was last season, his small sample size in the majors with the Blue Jays. But even take that for what it's worth. It's right. not much. But a lot of his highlights at the plate are him hitting it the other way. Ooh. Which I find interesting. Now, I like that. is that somewhat less valuable because of the shift? Yeah, they're banning, banning the shift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I personally right. am not of. I'm not the in the camp of people who think that the banning of the shift is going to dramatically increase. Like I was talking uh, on my Saturday show this past week uh, with my co-host, who said Dalton Varsho is going to be way better next season because of the banning of the shift because he'll be able to up that batting average. You know, a handful of points, double digits, whatever. I I don't. 
think it's going to be that big of an impact. I think teams are going to adjust accordingly. It's not like shifts are going away. They'll just be less dramatic. I think people were being overdramatic about it. Like, oh my gosh, Joey Gallo is going to be an MVP next year. I'm like, Joey Gallo doesn't make contact with the ball. He strikes out all the time. You still have to hit the ball to get it through the infield. But, I mean, yeah, you'll probably see some left-handed hitters um, increase their numbers a little bit, especially in batting average and on-base percentage. Because, yeah, they can't have... What they can still do, teams, they can still put their second baseman in the hole. They just can't bring their shortstop over where second base is. Yeah. They have to have two players on either side of second base, and their feet have to be touching the dirt. They have to be on the dirt. They cannot be in the grass in the outfield at all. Yeah. But what they can work around. What they could still do is they can still put their first baseman in the hole. They can still put their second baseman in that hole on either side, third baseman, shortstop, whatever they can still shift their players around, but you can't have three guys on the right side of second base. So yeah, we'll probably see some increases with, you know, guys like Varsho and and Gallo and, I don't even I don't even know who else, but uh, but it could be good for some well, guys. You get mega shifts for guys. Yeah, Cody Bellinger comes to mind. We're not going to see Manny Machado playing a short right field for the Padres anymore no, in his shift. You don't know that, Bob Melvin, man. Him no, you, you can't though. He won't be able to play the exact same yeah, spot. They have to. You have to move him around. You though. have to have two infielders, dude. I'm telling you, there's going to be a workaround. Like the most, they'll find a loophole. They'll find loopholes. They'll find something. They will find loopholes. And I'm not just talking about the Padres. I'm talking about yeah. everybody. Okay, so let's just answer this question. Is this move for the Diamondbacks, trading Varsho for Moreno and Guriel, is it a good move or a bad move? I like it. I like it. So the very first thing that you said was that you wish it wasn't Varsho, that you wish it was Thomas or you wish it was McCarthy. After listening to Mike Hazen talk after the trade was done, he made it very clear that they didn't think they could get the same return. In fact, they knew they couldn't get the same return for one of those guys. They because probably, they tried. They probably brought it up. Hey. Yeah. Hey, because they think like you and I do. They're like, well, we'd rather, if if we're going to lose somebody, we'd rather it be... It's haggling. It's, Thomas it's, or McCarthy. It's just, it's, it's, it's the stereotypical haggling. Like, well, I'm going to try to get what I want for a little cheaper. And then, and then we meet in the middle somewhere. Varsha was always the most established of the four outfielders. He is. They were never going to move Carroll. We all know that. Right. Um, and Varsho, you and I both kind of thought like, okay, he's probably untouchable because he's the only one of the four that we know what he is. And, yeah. and he's, and we know he's still going to get better. And it sucks to see who I think is probably your best overall position player right now. Ketel Marte had a top 10 MVP season, yeah. but that was three years ago now. Yeah. And he hasn't been good Christian Walker might've been better offensively, statistically speaking, but, and he's really good defensively, but he plays first base. Right. Dalton Varsho plays all over the outfield and catcher. Mm-hmm. Dalton Varsho is your best position player. Yeah, and you just fair. traded him. That's fair. And I still think it's a good deal. You filled two holes in your lineup. You got a guy who has a ton of positional flexibility. And I know it's only one season of Guriel, but that's that's a huge boost. Nobody hits 280 on this team it's right now. It's not saying that they can't bring him back. They, they, they could. Might, they might want to re-sign him. Who knows? They but, could. They might even have that in the works already. Yeah, I don't maybe. Know. Um, but, yeah, I... If it's whether the question if it's good or bad, I think it's a good move overall. I agree with what you're saying. Um, it just like it just kind of there are going to be some people, and I've seen them already 
that say, oh my gosh, as soon as a Diamondback player comes into his prime, they trade him away. Yeah, and it's true. I, I mean, can't deny that. They, yeah, that's, and that's what they've done here. I mean, Dalton Varsho, I think, what is he, 26 years old, something like that? So he, yeah, he is coming into his prime. But I agree, they needed a huge upgrade at catcher, which they have been trying to do all offseason. They didn't get Sean Murphy. They were linked to him. He got traded to Atlanta. They were linked to free agent Christian Vasquez. He signed with Minnesota. They didn't get those guys. Um, and it was never reported, but you and I talked about Tucker Barnhart even. He goes to the Cubs. So a trade seemed like the most likely thing. We said that. You said that specifically. I always had the, the Blue trade Jays was, in my mind. And the trade market was the most likely where they were going to upgrade their team. I never thought Gurriel was going to be a part of it, only because the Blue Jays moved off of Teoscar Hernandez. Yeah, they traded him to Seattle. Their yep. outfield was all right-handed. Yeah. And then they made the move. They get Kevin Kiermaier, who's going to man center they field, still I have, assume. They still have George Springer, right who's probably going to well. play left or right field. The Blue Jays, I mean, we talk about this every year, right? Steve's uh, keys to winning a championship. <laughs> the contention ladder, if you will. And the Blue Jays have been at towards the peak of, you know, you're ready to contend for a championship and you need pitching, but also they needed a left-handed bat. You think about the core they of that do. team. Vladdy Jr. Bichette. Bichette. George Springer, Matt Chapman, both of their catchers at the time, yep. Matt Chapman. I mean, they needed the a only, lefty bat. The bad. only lefty bat they had was Rymel Tapia, and he's and no, that's not, nothing special. Yeah, like he's a decent player, about. but yeah, yeah. So Dalton Varsho, I saw some projected lineups with Varsho. They have him hitting fifth. I'm like, okay. He might get some really good RBI opportunities there. I think Dalton Varsho could thrive. In Toronto, I think he could be great, and I mean, like that's an interesting lineup. They could already. plug him anywhere in that lineup, and he'll fit in. He can bat leadoff, he can bat second, second or third, fifth, yeah. whatever you want. He could be anywhere in there. Yep, um, and he's going to play really good defense, which they they covet. I would think. I mean, George Springer still a good defender, and you just mentioned Kevin Kiermaier. He's a really good defensive player. Think about it this way too, with this Varsho trade, because somebody brought up to me, "Oh, we're just doing what we did with Goldie." We got our best player and we traded him away for who knows what. This Here's is a little the difference. Bit, this is a little bit different. Here's that. the difference. And I think this one's actually a lot better. And and we didn't like the Goldie trade when it happened. If I remember right, you and I didn't really like it. Still obviously. don't like it. Still don't like it, obviously, in hindsight. But even at the time of the trade, Carson Kelly, be, he wasn't an elite catching prospect. He was just a guy who came up underneath a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Luke Weaver. The prize of that deal was Luke Weaver. Luke Weaver had supposedly minimal time in the major leagues. He had been in the majors, but not long. Yeah. And Andy Young was a throwaway. Was it, the, the, the D-backs thought they were getting a potential s- number two or three starter in Luke Weaver. Obviously, things worked out the way that they did. We don't have to go through that. The Goldschmidt trade was a bust for the Diamondbacks. Yeah. Um, but you look at this one. Not only are you not really getting... I mean, I know Moreno is labeled a prospect, but he's hit all along the line, and in his small sample size in the majors, he's hit 300. So... It's almost as close as you can get to being an MLB-ready player. I mean, he is. He's an MLB-ready player. He's no longer a prospect, really. It's time to turn it on. He's going to be the catcher on day one, I assume. Um, I think this trade works out better than the Goldie trade, just initially. Obviously, we got to go through a lot of years before we realize the actual ramifications of it. You know, Gabriel Moreno could be nothing, could be amazing. So we can revisit that at a certain time, but... I do think they got a better return for Varsho than they got for Goldie. And doesn't that deserve to be praised? Yes. I mean, you got an established and, 280, and, 290 hitter 
and the best catching prospect in baseball, also, not named Alvarez. A, a difference between this trade and the Goldschmidt trade was when they traded Paul Goldschmidt, part of it was because he was about to get paid a lot of money. Oh, yeah. And they didn't see themselves able to be, for whatever reason, they decided not to pay Paul Goldschmidt. I disagree with it because Paul Goldschmidt's the best the best overall player that this team has ever had, uh, especially offensively. We can discuss pitching or not, but he's the best player this franchise has ever had. He was the face of your franchise, and you decided not to pay him for whatever reason. This one's different because Dalton Varsho is not, set to be traded or uh, traded not set to be paid a lot of money he's still in his arbitration years so I mean this is a little bit different because yeah they're not doing it to save some money you know what I mean like that's just not what this is um so I don't know how much how many years he has left I'd look it up real quick and I couldn't find it but uh he's in his arbitration years so they could have kept Dalton Varsho for cheap but you know what? They decided they, they needed to go out. They needed to upgrade catcher, and I think they did that. They accomplished that mission. Upgrading catcher, check. Check that off the list. They, they've done that, and they added a really good... And another thing that we that you may or may not have mentioned, Lourdes Gurriel is a right-handed bat, something that yeah. they need, because all of their outfielders besides Kyle Lewis, Corbin Carroll, Jake McCarthy, Alec Thomas are all left-handed hitters. Josh Rojas, left-handed hitter. Now, Marte's a switch hitter, and obviously Christian Walker is right-handed. But right. they needed a right-handed hitter, an established Major League right-handed hitter, and I think Lourdes Gurriel checks that box, too. We'll see about Kyle Lewis. They're kind of hoping he just bounces back. They didn't give up a ton for him. They only gave up Cooper Hummel for He's him. He's but- a... Low risk, high reward. Yes. Potentially, yes. They didn't trade. Potentially. They didn't trade a a, a a prospect for him. They traded Cooper Hummel. Nothing against Cooper Hummel. You got a better catcher. But now. You got a much better catcher. And now, guess what? Too your backup catcher. I assume that Moreno is just he's your number one now. Carson Kelly's not a bad backup catcher. I he's like got him a lot more he's as got a backup hit, than a starter. Yes, he's got to hit at least in for my money. He's got to hit at least two forty. I would in like limited plate appearances. I was looking back at his splits too, and I was thinking like, man, it'd be really nice to have him as like a against lefties catcher. But he was worse against lefties last year than righties. Yeah, so, so I, we'll, we'll see. It was a bad year for Carson too. It was like bad. if he gets a little yeah. bit more back to his career averages, I think he's a great backup. I think he could be a really solid backup. Could I see Moreno catching? Four nights a week and Carson catching the other two or three. I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that split. And maybe not right away. Maybe out of the gate because of the small sample size at the major league level. Maybe they split it a little more evenly. What I don't want to see is we get a week into the season and Moreno's caught one game. Right. That's what I don't want to see. Because I want to see these young guys. Moreno yep. and Carroll need to be out there every yep. day. That's why you, I mean, that's, regularly. That's why you traded Dalton Varsho for this guy. Yeah. You didn't trade, you know, just a, a, a random player for him. You're, you're not taking a flyer on Gabriel Moreno. And he, he is entering last season, he was the Toronto Blue Jays' number one prospect. I think he was a top 10 prospect. Now that has changed since then. But the top 10 prospect going into last year on Pipeline and Baseball America, this is a guy that you need to put in your lineup right away, see what he's got. And if I can be honest with you... Even if he has a bad spring training, 
That so Toronto, as of you know, a couple days ago, had Danny Jansen, Alejandro Kirk, yep. and Gabriel Moreno just kind of sitting there in reserve. Jansen's probably a top 10 to 15 catcher in baseball. He's in the top half, probably. Alejandro Kirk hit yeah. really well last year, so yep. he's probably in the top 10. You got two in the two catchers in the top of the league and the second best prospect in all of baseball at the position. I kind of thought if they were going to move off of one, I thought it would be Jansen, just because he's got the lowest upside, the least amount of control. So yeah. I'm I'm actually pretty thrilled that the Diamondbacks were able to pry Gabriel Moreno away from them. Here is the question I still have. Now that the now that Varsho has been traded, how are they going to upgrade their starting rotation? Because I in my mind I thought the one of the outfielders would be traded for a starting pitcher. Yeah. And maybe another player in there they somewhere. They couldn't fill every position. Right. So where do you go now in the starting rotation? Is it do you just sign a couple guys? I mean Nathan Uvaldi is still out there. Um, Rich Hill just signed today with the Pittsburgh Pirates. He's forty three years old. Anyway, but do you sign one of a free agent, or do you just plug your rotation with two of the minor league guys like Brandon Fott, Ryan Nelson, Tommy Henry, Dre Jameson? So here's what do they what do they do? Because in my mind, still, if this team is trying to compete for a wild card spot, and I keep bashing on him, and I don't mean to, but he had a bad year last year. Madison Bumgarner cannot be your num- a top three rotation spot. He cannot be one of your top three starting pitchers in that rotation if you're trying to compete because unless he has this ridiculous bounce back year which I don't really see happening. So I have two options for you. Okay. One is the one that I think they'll do. The other one is an out of the box idea. Number one, what I think will happen. I think the rotation will probably be Gallon Kelly, Bumgarner and two younger guys. Trey mm-hmm. Jameson probably one of them. I'm hoping Brandon Fott works his way in, but he doesn't have a ton of games at AAA. I could see them starting him in the minors this year, sure. and he makes it up eventually mid-year. Um, but, you know, insert Tommy Henry there or something like that at the fifth spot. And then, you know, everything else remains the way that it is. Uh-huh. Hopefully you get a little more bullpen help. Yes, I don't they know where, still, that, they still don't know where that's going to come help. from. But they still need bullpen help. Here's the out-of-the-box idea. You traded one of your left-handed hitting outfielders, Dalton Varsho. Okay. Trade another one. Which one? Well, it's going to be either <laughs> Thomas or McCarthy. Trade one of them. See what you can get. Could you trade one of the minor league guys, like a Dominic Canzone See, I or think Dominic Fletcher, I along with maybe a minor league starting pitcher for rotation for, help? For a top three rotation guy? I kind of doubt it. Yeah. Not, none of those guys have played in the major leagues yet. Mm-hmm. I think what more likely you could do is you could convince somebody of Jake McCarthy's abilities or Alec Thomas is an elite defensive center fielder now granted the offense wasn't great they sent him down to triple a and then he raked in triple a to end the year I think one of them might be able to get you a decent return maybe you get one decent starter out of that deal and I'm not saying I'm advocating for this by the way I'm just saying you had four left-handed hitting outfielders and if you trade two of them away you still got two of them plus your outfield would then be let's let's say they move Thomas your center fielder is Corbin Carroll uh, one of the corners is McCarthy. You've still got Gurriel, who will play regularly. 
Kyle Lewis will play regularly. And then that fifth outfield spot goes to a Canzone, a Fletcher, one of those guys sitting in AAA right now that's basically ready to be a major league outfielder but not be relied upon too much, which is what a fifth outfielder would be. Plus, you've got guys like Rojas, uh, Marte, who could play outfield in a pinch if they needed to. You see where I'm going with this? Yeah. It's not the end of the world if they trade another one of those lefties. I I really don't just... I really don't want them to trade another one of the outfielders. What if you could get... I'm I guess it depends on who it is. I'm just making this up. What if... Because uh, I've seen a lot of stuff on social media about uh, Miami being Miami yeah. fans being really ticked that they didn't get Varsho or that they didn't get one of the left-handed hitting outfielders. What if you traded... Uh, again, just spewing this off the top of my head. Alec Thomas for uh, Pablo Lopez. Mm. Pablo Lopez. You might have to throw in a few things. I don't know, but yeah, you probably couldn't do one for one. But let's say you throw in some minuscule things from. You could throw in a a minor league starting pitcher that isn't hopefully Brandon Fott or Dre Jameson. Yeah, or one of those young outfielders I talked about. Yeah, what's would you do that though for that caliber of player, a guy who's going to slide in at your three spot, maybe your two spot? I I'd probably consider doing that at this point. Yeah, Pablo Lopez is. Under contract through 2024, and it'll be 29 when he hits free agency. In Not as long as I thought it would be, but so. But that's just a name. I'm, yeah, I, forget about the name for a second. I mean that caliber of player. Yeah, if it's that, if it's that type of pitcher, I guess I would be okay with it. A top three pitcher in your rotation. I really don't want to give up on Alec Thomas yet. And I'm not talking about getting but, one year of control of a guy. I'm right, talking about right, a guy right. who's going to be here a few years. Right. I, I preferably I wouldn't my my preferred outfielder to trade if you have to trade one of them would be McCarthy because I just think there's a lot of upside to Alec Thomas he's already playing a ridiculously good center field defensively yeah his offense still needs to be figured out hopefully that happens this year we'll see but I yeah I don't want to give up Thomas but I man if it's for if it's for a pitcher like that, I, it'd be hard to argue against it. All of this mm. is so tough because yeah. you know you and I watch these young guys, and it's all about potential right now. We're very, we're very, very confident they're going to be better than they are now. Like I believe Alec Thomas is going to come around. Maybe yeah. he's not going to hit three hundred, but you know he'll come around right. offensively. I, I believe I don't McCarthy think, will get better. I don't think Alec Thomas is going to hit you know thirty home runs or anything like that. No. It's not the type of player he is. I believe Varsho is going to get better. Yeah, I think he's going to make harder contact. I think he's probably going to be a thirty home run guy at some point. I think that uh, he's going to play in very hitter friendly ballparks in he that division. Could win a Gold Glove based on effort alone. Yeah. Uh, I believe all these guys are going to get better, but that's why you make trades, right? Like part of what makes this trade fun and I'll compare it to the Zach Gallon jazz Chisholm trade. Very rarely do you get these trades where you look at it and you're like, huh, that kind of works for both, right? Like the Diamondbacks. And this is why I paired them with the Blue Jays in my head all offseason. We've talked about this like a million times because they had a surplus of left-handed hitting outfielders. The Blue Jays are had none. All kind of comparable. They're not the same player, but they're comparable. Yeah. And the Blue Jays had three major league catchers. <laughs> Whereas there's probably ten good catchers in baseball. Not even. Probably five really good catchers. And they yeah. have three decent ones. And so it was just a match made in heaven. It's the same thing with the Gallon Chisholm trade. Like we all Chisholm wasn't the biggest prospect here. He was maybe MLB Pipeline's number one, but we never saw much of him in the minors. Yeah. And you traded him for Zach Gallon. It's like, okay, well, we got a pitcher at a time when we had and none. Zach Gallon is now 
He's their ace. In Cy Young contention last year. So And Jazz is one of the most exciting infield players in the league when he's on. So like I I think Hazen's come up with a lot of really intriguing trades. I will they work out in the long term? That's to be decided, obviously. But at the same time, I looked at this trade and I thought, that's pretty even. I kind of get that. Um, let's talk about something else that happened. Uh, there was a news story out this week about the roof. And nobody ever really likes to talk <laughs> about the roof. Um, remember, before last season, we found out that Chase Field's roof was broken. And that they were not He's going to be broken. able to safely open and close the roof while people were in the building. Seems like something that would be necessary, but hey, here we are. They said that in order <laughs> to fix it, they needed the building empty for a number of probably weeks at a time. Um, they said they were going to fix it in the off season. Well, here we are roughly halfway through the off season, and the Diamondbacks reportedly will not be able to fix it this off season. Uh, and so they are going to keep rolling with it in a day-to-day type thing where they will decide before the game whether the roof will be open or closed. It will not shift or change yeah. during the game while people are in the facility. My personal opinion on that is I think they're just booking a ton of events. They're booking concerts. They're booking bowl games. They're booking whatever they can get their hands on. And that's more valuable to them than the ability to change mid-game, yeah. whether the roof is open or not. And Derek Hall sat down with Steve Gilbert for com, And I'm just looking at this excerpt about the roof. He says, Hall says, we have a long maintenance plan for the entire building. We cannot address the roof concerns for another year due to off-season events such as concerts, the bowl game, and the World Baseball Classic schedule. Oh, yeah. However, we can still decide before fans enter the gates whether the roof should be opened or closed so the experience should be the same. That's what they did last year Yeah, because they were afraid that parts of the roof would fall off the roof <laughs> and impale people. Or It something. probably has something to do with like the cabling. You know, because yeah, these things runs on sure. like really tight. They cables. were just afraid something would break and it would fall onto the field and yeah. or or the stands. And I totally right. get it. Um, and I mean, honestly, I went to a few games last year and you wouldn't really even notice. Well, um, that's the thing. Is anybody missing out on anything by them not being able to open or close the roof mid game? It's the only, cool when it happens. So the only but, thing that it's cool about is like in those weird times of the season where when the sun is up, it's ridiculously hot. But when the sun goes down, it's nice outside, and they can open the roof mid-game. Yeah. Um, now they won't be able but to But now they can't do that, and they weren't able to do it last year, and it was fine. Um, and then he goes on to say, uh, we are also looking for ways to enhance the overall experience, location, destination, just Chase Field. Uh, modernize. This is, this is where it's funny, where I kind of chuckled. To modernize the 25-year-old ballpark. That sentence there, it's like they're they, they're acting like Chase Field is Wrigley Field. It's kind it's of hundreds of years old. It's kind of an oxymoron, right? Yeah, like to modernize something that's old. Because isn't Chase the, Field? Mo- by my math, it's the third oldest park in the National League. Is it really? Well, you got Wrigley and Dodgers. Is it really? Other than that, what? Huh? Other than that, what's the next? I oldest? never think of that. Bush is newer. Uh, okay, this. go by division. Uh, the Giants. Well, the Giants. When did that one open? Early 2000s, I thought. Yeah, because they were at Candlestick for a while. Uh, let's see. Let's see if I can find this out here. I think it's the third oldest in the National League. Now, granted, there's a ton of older American League parks. You know, Fenway is obviously older, but... um. Yeah, it's one of the older parks in Major League Baseball at this point. It's it's weird to think that, but so the it's oldest true. So the oldest ballpark that is still being used 
Fenway Park's the oldest, Wrigley Field, Dodger Stadium, Angel Stadium is fourth. Interesting. Built in 1966. <laughs> that that stadium's been around for a while. Um the uh the Coliseum in Oakland, they need to get out of that stadium. Uh Kauffman Stadium, the Royals, Roger Center in Toronto. Tropicana Field is the eighth one. I'm just reading a top ten. Guaranteed Rate Field, which is Chicago White Sox. So they're not in the top ten in all of baseball. Because Coors, Coors Field. Camden Yards is tenth. Coors uh, was mid nineties. Yeah, they were just by they were right seasons. before the Diamondbacks came in to be. So, so Chase Field, 1998, would be the fourth oldest in the National League then, behind Coors. Jeez, right? Is that? Dang, man. Think about it. Everybody's building new ballparks, Bear. Yep, Chase Field is... Let's see. Atlanta one, got a new one two. recently. Miami built that one with the stupid thing in center field. Uh, the Phillies, Citizen Bank, early 2000s, if I remember right. Dude, everybody's getting new ballparks, man. The Mets got rid of Shea Stadium. The Diamondback... Chase Field is the 12th oldest ballpark in the major leagues. And most of them are American League. Most of them, Eight yeah. of those 12 would be American yeah. League. yep. I'm telling you, man, in the National League, they got one of the oldest parks. Interesting. And Coors never, Field only snuffed them out by three years. I never think of that, though. Do you ever, like, sit and, like, yes, watch? Yes, I think about it all okay, the time. Well, you're, you're weird. So here's you're an example. a weird person. That's what you think about? Remember I went to, uh, remember I took that trip to Dallas, and my family and I, we went to a game, what is it called? Globe Life Field? The Rangers Ballpark? No idea like what it's Globe called. Globe Life Field or something like that. Globe Life Field at the ballpark in Arlington in <laughs> Dallas, Texas, or whatever. I don't know. America. Sponsored by Texas Instruments. Um, it's it's the most modernized baseball park I've ever been to. Really? And the concourse feels like a mall. It's like the first time I ever went to Jerry World. Have you ever oh, been to, have you no, been to AT&T I Stadium? I haven't been there. The concourse level feels like a mall slash ballroom i mean there's <laughs> chandeliers there's i mean like they do it big in texas sure obviously right dude that concourse what they're known for like i i think about that ballpark and it has a similar feel to chase field because it's indoors right the difference and i told you this the second that i walked into the ballpark i was like i gotta tell bear this was <laughs> the park is built vertically not horizontally you know how when you're at chase field and you go to the upper deck yeah there's a huge difference between being in the front row and the back row Yes. You're way closer to the action in the front row. Uh-huh. The back row is like, it's down the street almost, mm-hmm. right? Not at the ballpark in Arlington or whatever the hell it's called. It's built vertically. So you're close to the action no matter where you are in the okay, ballpark. It's crazy. When I walked in the main entrance in left field, you can't see the field when you walk in because it's below you. It's wild. And so that's what makes me chuckle about that statement from Tara Call is like modernizing the ballpark. Have you seen a (laughs) modern ballpark that was built in the last three years? Yeah. They're way better. Way, way, way better. I went to that Elton John concert. That's the last time I went to Chase Field, Uh, probably in November or Mm -hmm. whenever it was. And I'm walking up the, uh, you know, the ramp that you use to get upstairs sometimes because all the escalators were right. I'm walking up the ramp and I'm like, this isn't. This isn't any, this is like a garage. (laughs) It's a parking garage, essentially. That's what Chase Field is. It's a parking garage where they play baseball and the roof doesn't open. Or it does, but we can't do it with people around because we're afraid of murdering them. (laughs) Like, I mean, that's essentially what it is. We're afraid of bad things will happen if we do that. It's the fourth oldest ballpark in the National League. I'd be willing to bet that within, okay, what's a good over under here? 
five and a half. Let's say over under five and a half years. The Diamondbacks will have a new ballpark. Uh, it takes time to get the money together. And okay, the- maybe five and a half is not good enough. Let's do. See, I would normally seven, tell you under seven and a half years. Uh, under for a new ballpark. I'll go under. But you mean like that they build a new that they're ballpark playing in the ballpark and they're playing in it. Uh, maybe over if they're playing, but I th- I still think they'll have one. I still think they'll have to have a new one. There's no way you could stay at Chase Field long. Yeah. Well, that's they. I, I just don't believe in it. I don't think that's what they want anyway. I no, mean, it's they, not. What they, they want. I mean, they value Chase Field. They, you know, they they're not just saying it's a piece of crap and we don't want to play there anymore. Also, not but, that it's apples to apples, but did you see what the Suns went for in sale the other day? Yeah, a lot. They're valued at four, <laughs> four billion. billion. Now it's an NBA franchise. It's different than a baseball team. But the Diamondbacks are looking down the street and they're like, the Suns just refurbished their arena in the nicest way possible. I think you and I can agree that the arena looks great. Um, they got totally new venues. They've got the greatest practice facility in all of the NBA is what we hear all the time. They paid for all that recently. The Diamondbacks are like, why come we can't do that? They're looking at Ken Kendrick like, come on, if Robert Sarver, who just got forced out of the Suns, basically, if that guy can pay all that money to do all those things for that team, why, how come we can't have that yeah. two blocks down the road? I mean, well, well the thought too back you know, at least my thought was, but now the Coyotes are trying to build their own arena, was that the Diamondbacks and Coyotes get together and build a big complex out maybe in the talking stick area and kind of combine their two franchises and play to kind of like what they tried to do at Westgate with the Cardinals, yeah. which didn't work out for them. I mean, it but in that they built it, but right. well, yeah, but <laughs> everybody ended up. But leaving. now with you know with them playing at Mullet Arena for the next few years and them getting their hopefully getting their arenas situated in Tempe. Yeah, now they're. It sounds like the D backs are all on their own, but there's yeah, not enough room where they're building. To I would put a agree. I mean, either. I like I I like Chase Field. Um, obviously, it's my team's ballpark, and that's where I've seen the most baseball at, but. I think yeah, it'd be nice to, for them to get a new ballpark here in the in the near future. Yeah, they just need to upgrade things that I don't things like you were saying. There's so many modern things that these new sporting venues have that they just can't do at Chase Field. They just can't. I don't think they can even even the shape of the like, building. Like the it's Suns, so weird. the Suns were able to remodel and redesign Footprint Center. Yeah. Because, you know, which is funny because the Suns have been playing in that arena for a really long time. Um, It's gone through like seven name changes since (laughs) they've moved in. Um, But just the things that most, you know, teams that get new have gotten new ballparks recently, like Miami, Texas that you mentioned, Atlanta, things that the D-backs probably want to do with their team. It's just impossible to do it in a ballpark like Chase Field, you know. And I I don't know what they do. I mean, obviously, you gotta take seats I mean, out. No matter where they build this new stadium, if they have one, it's gonna have a roof. So hopefully that when they figure that all that out, but hopefully a roof we can open and close while people are in the building. Yeah, that would be good. That'd be cool. Yeah, I think that it is can, a cool feature when it's working. I. I seem to remember reading that they were consulting with the same people who did the renovation at the Suns Arena. Well, they did a good job. They so. did a good job. So, <laughs> I mean, I feel somewhat confident in that. Um, but, yeah, you're going to have to take seats out of the upper deck. And we'll see just how... You just can't sell 40,000 We'll just tickets. see how much they really want to 
you know, renovate when they've been kind of vocal about how they want a new place to play. Yeah. How much are you willing to invest now? That they don't want to stay downtown. Right. So yeah. How much money do they want to really spend on renovating Chase Field when hopefully their plan is to get a new ballpark in the near future? Who knows? Good question. Last week when we talked, uh, we talked about the drama behind Carlos Correa. There's, it's it's still there. We're having the same drama there. just with another team. It's still now. there. <laughs> so last week when we last talked on the podcast, uh, the Giants kind of rebuffed at their original offer of what was it like thirteen years? Thirteen years, three hundred fifty million dollars for Correa. Yep, to be their only good player, basically. <laughs> and I think they got buyer's remorse. They saw something in the medical. You know, maybe it's an X-ray or something. Something about his leg that was repaired. 2014. He had, a, he had a broken fibula in his right leg, I believe it yeah. was. And they didn't like in, it. In the minor leagues in 2014. They they thought in the long term it probably would hurt his mobility. Yeah. Therefore moving him off of shortstop, which by the way, maybe don't offer the guy 13-year contract. <laughs> anyway, I digress. But everybody else is, Steve. Everyone else is getting those well, contracts. That's the thing. So the second that they expressed distant disinterest in the long-term contract, Steve Cohen and the Mets swooped in, grabbed him, and signed him to... 11, 12 years? I think it's 12 years, 315. 315. So, essentially, the same deal. And now, essentially. And now, the Mets are, are concerned about the same thing the Giants were concerned about. That freaking right leg and the broken fibula in 2014. And so, that deal has not been made official yet. No, which so, is hilarious because Steve Cohen is already blabbing about how they got Correa and the league is oh, sitting there like, uh, yeah. guys, stop talking about a deal that's not finalized. Yeah, apparently, I, I think it's happened to Steve Cohen already. He's been got, he's gotten in trouble for like tweeting or and talking about players that they haven't officially signed yet. He's like, fine, send me the fine. Whatever, I'll pay, I'll pay it. it. Yeah. To me, I get the concerns, okay? I get it. You're investing a lot of years and a lot of money into a player, and you he's already going to be playing third base, by the way, for the Mets, <laughs> yeah, because right. they have Francisco Lindor. Right. Um, That's the plan, at least. Yeah. But I, I totally get the concern, I guess. It's it's a it's a broken bone in his leg. What, what was that? Eight years ago. Yeah. Forgot it was 2022. You had to check your phone. I had to phone check my phone. To what see year it. is it? It's not January yet, right? So it happened eight years ago. Does it even say on your phone what year it is? No. Mine, mine doesn't. No. I was going to say, you looked out at your phone and you're like, eight years ago. I'm like, wait, it doesn't even have the year oh. on there. Uh, shut up. <laughs> no one could, no one looked, could see that. And I you looked out at mine and I was like, it's not even on there. <laughs> so to me... If you're the Mets, I get the Giants because yeah. the Giants, that's their he's he'd be their best player, their fa- franchise player that they have for 13 years. For the Mets though, he's when, just a guy. When you're just well, not just a guy, <laughs> but when you're just you're just shoveling out all this cash this offseason, they spent 806 million dollars this offseason. Why do you care? Why do you care if he's going to be a little less mobile? Nine years from now, he's already playing third base for you. If you're Steve Cohen in the Mets and their entire regime, isn't your goal to win a World Series this year? Otherwise, you wouldn't have shoveled out $806 million in one offseason. I'll bet you what happened, and I'll bet you this happened with both teams. 
I'll bet you the San Francisco doctors looked at him and was like, oof, we got some trouble here. We got something that maybe you might not want to get into a long-term deal with this guy. And the Giants backed out. Steve Cohen swoops in before the Giants even have a chance to counter Correa, if they even did want him around for a shorter deal. And I'll bet you the Mets doctors did the same thing. The Mets doctors saw the same x-rays. Yeah. They're obviously inspecting the same person. They're going to find the same issues under the hood. Right. So they see it, and the doctors go to management and say, ooh, you might not want to get into a 12- or 11-year deal with this guy. Then don't offer him that long of a contract in the first place. So then the next thing I thought would happen is I thought the Mets would then offer a higher annual salary for less years. Like a six-year God, I don't even know what the money would be. Like fifty million a <laughs> yeah. year, three hundred million. Do what like Scherzer and Trevor Bauer and you know Verlander have done. Yeah, where it's I like two see- years for eighty million, six year two forty. <laughs> I could see something like that. Yeah, and now I think I read just now on like si.com was there was a story about how Correa doesn't want to redo the contract. He wants the deal that they offered him, of course, because who wouldn't want the three hundred and fifteen million dollars guaranteed over? 11 years and maybe some of it's backloaded or whatever from his perspective i get it he's like i'm not taking less money i'm not taking less years you guys made an offer you made an offer and i accepted yeah so pay up and the doctors are like uh guys we got a problem over here so i do wonder what's going on behind the scenes where management which essentially management is ownership because steve cohen is just signing checks left and right right and he wants this guy he might not even care about the injury but the doctors might but if you're Steve Cohen, do you just say, I don't care. I'll get new doctors. Who ca- yeah. <laughs> I'll hire new doctors. Just shut up. Like, and I, Of course, if you're Carlos Cray, you're like, does anybody want to ha- have me play for their team? Like, right. Like, hello, I'm a good player still. Like, why are you focused on my eight-year-old injury that is repaired now that hasn't been an issue, you know? It'd be one thing if he's had a couple injuries to his lower, you know, his his leg since then to that same leg, but he hasn't, to my knowledge, at least. And there hasn't been anything the, major. He's got the precedent too of Xander Bogarts is a less mobile, not as good at fielding shortstop, older, older shortstop who just signed an eleven year deal, eleven with years. the Padres, yep. to play shortstop for less money. But yes, like he was asked in the press conference, "What position do you play?" He's like, "I Short. play shortstop." They told me I'm playing shortstop. So Scott, is Scott Boris came out and said he's not moving. Right. Before all that happened. So Correa, while doing these negotiations, just has to point. Just point at Bogart. Look at that guy. Look at that. See what he got? Yeah. I want that, but more because I'm better. <laughs> and you know what? He is. Yeah. And he's got a good point. And they're like, well, the tibia or whatever. Fibula, whatever. Fibula, tibia. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know which one's which, this to be honest. This bone connects to the other bone. Oh, you really nailed that. Yeah. Really, really the got the tibia biology done. connects to the fibula. I don't even know if it does. I have no idea. Um, I just think, dude, I don't know how this is going to end. Right now, it's just nonstop drama. I do think that eventually the Mets will just sign the dotted line. They're going to say, you know what? Whatever. Who cares? Steve Cohen's going to look at the doctors and he's going to look them in the eye and be like, do you want to be a doctor here? Because if you do, you'll sign off on this. It's like, well, like, do, do you need, I guess you have to pass a physical 
But but he are you are they trying to say he can't pass a physical right now? He just played for the Minnesota Twins. I guess the physical isn't the problem. It's the medical history. Exactly. So like, yeah. there's nothing to sign off on. He can right. pass a physical right now to play for the New York Mets. That's why the most interesting question to me, and we'll never know why this, do they keep bringing this up? That we'll never know this, but like fly on the wall, I would be interested to know who has the problem with his long term mobility. Yeah. Is it the medical professionals? Is, is it, it the front office? Is it the yeah? Is it the owner? Who's running is the it, Mets these days? It changes every year. Uh, is that Billy Epler? I don't know. Okay. I don't know who is running the I thought the it was Mets. Billy Epler, but I could be wrong. Um, they, I swear to God, they change it every year. It was well, they had a Van lot of... Van in for They a had while. a lot of Jared turmoil. Porter for about five yeah. minutes. It was, <laughs> I don't know, man. They flipped it around so many times. I was pretty sure it was Epler, but... Yeah, it is Billy Epler. Anytime he's we talk GM. about the Mets, we just talk about Steve Cohen because it starts at the top. I mean, he's a baseball guy. I'm not saying he's a GM or anything like that. He just... He signs the checks and he gets who he wants. I don't know. I feel like they're just going to sign it eventually. And he's gonna, yeah, I think they will. He's going to threaten the doctors and be like, you don't have a job here anymore. It's like I was talking with a friend the other day about uh, Tom Cruise doing all his crazy movies with all the stunts and stuff. Did you see that video, by the way, of him riding that motorcycle off that cliff? Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah, so I was talking about it with a friend who's kind of involved in the entertainment business, and he said, yeah, there was once uh, Tom Cruise was doing that stunt in the Mission Impossible movie where he's at, on the outside the windows yeah. on the yep. building in Dubai. Yeah. And he runs on the windows. That was cool. And they told him, they were like, it's not safe. Like, you got to do it with these harnesses and whatever. And he was like, what do you mean it's not safe? And they're like, we're the stunt people. Like, you need to do what we said. He fired him and found new stunt people. <laughs> yeah. that, that's what I'm talking about here. Yeah. I'm Tom Cruise and go away. I'm Steve Cohen and you're a Give doctor. Me Correa. I can find another doctor. <laughs> Get me Correa. Exactly. Anyway. Uh, Thanks so much for uh, hanging out with us today. We really appreciate it. I hope everybody had a great happy holidays. Uh, I'm sorry that the president under the tree was the Diamondbacks trading away their best offensive player, but uh, and probably best. But we got player. two other presents. I'm here to instead. tell you that I, I like it. I like it. I do too. I'm gonna miss Dalton Varsho. Me too. But I'm excited for Moreno. And you know what? I think Guriel. He's been nothing but good, uh, consistently good player for the Toronto Blue Jays. So I'm excited for him too. At the very least, let's give it some time and uh, see where we're at. Yeah. Maybe we check back kind of mid-year on how this trade went down, and maybe do it again at the end of the they, season. They still, they still need some pitching. So hopefully, they get some soon. That's for sure. The off season still at least two months left before we uh, start talking about spring training. All right. He's Cody Fincher. I'm Steve Zinsmeister. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. It is the Ain't No Fang podcast here at ArizonaSports.com and on the Arizona Sports app.